Hello, you beautiful, amazing women. Welcome to the Live Treasured Podcast. You know something? Loss is not the end of your story. And God has filled the book of Ruth with amazing, timeless biblical truths, not only to help our hearts heal after loss, but also to experience His over-the-top, wonderful restoration from everything the enemy has taken. And in today's podcast, I'm going to be sharing with you an audio teaching message from Naomi's next chapter, which is a Treasure Tribe Bible study on the book of Ruth. And hey, if you're interested in accessing all Treasure Tribe Bible studies like Naomi's next chapter and other amazing benefits, including access to our private social media platform for our Just for Women online Christian community, I want you to go visit www.treasuredtribe.com and sign up for membership. And you know something? Best of all, when you sign up for membership, not only do you get access to everything that you need to dive in and study the Word of God, you get a supportive community to cheer you on and... You support Treasured Ministries because 100% of the revenue goes right back into supporting everything that we do, including this podcast. Visit treasuredtribe.com, sign up for membership, and get ready to thrive with daily truth and a tribe by your side. And now, on to today's show. Let's do this. Welcome back to Naomi's next chapter. We are on week six. I want to talk to you today about how God brings legacy out of our loss. Hallelujah. We serve an awesome God. And so many times the pain in our past absolutely 100% becomes a part of our purpose. One of the elements that I believe is necessary to the complete cycle of healing is when we begin to give to others the same comfort that God gave to us. When we begin to see uh, the nights that we shed tears and God showed us truth, that those are the very truths that God wants us to give out and 
to share generously with others. But if we're not careful, the enemy will come to us and, and it never ceases to amaze me, his, his tactics. But right at that opportunity, that pivoting point when our loss is beginning ready to turn into a legacy, he'll come and he'll sow those seeds of lies. We talked about those seeds of deception. And one of the lies that he loves to feed us is to bring into our hearts that scarcity mentality, that uh, that fear of giving, whatever it is that is in our life, that fear of stepping out inside of our purpose. And when this happens, when we sort of pull back from our purpose, the enemy has us in this frozen state where we're not partnering with God in what he wants to do. And one of the most powerful things that you and I can do to just turn him on his tail is to take time and pause and remember everything that was legally settled by Jesus through the new covenant. You see, it is new covenant thinking that brings that generous, free giving in our life so that we can live and give as God intended. Your past, your pain, your loss is a part of the legacy that God wants to bring through you. I mean, I really believe that God just loves to do this to the enemy. He loves to take all the rotten, awful stuff that you had to walk through the pain in your life and turn it into a purpose that brings him glory. And in order for us to do that, we're going to need to be okay and to not be afraid to be generous givers. And I'm talking about giving of your time and giving of your gifts and abilities. And again, the enemy loves to sow those seeds of lies right before God is getting ready to turn our loss over into a legacy. And the way that you can combat that is by pausing to renew your mind on everything that the Lord Jesus has settled for you legally through the new covenant. All right, so let's get right into our passage this week. And I'm, I'm pretty passionate about this topic uh, because for years, I was probably seen as a very generous person and giving. I was serving a lot in ministry, but the motive for my giving was not correct. It was out of reluctance. It was because I was a compensator inside of relationships. And so because of that, I was worn out and weary from giving. And it was through that giving and giving and giving of myself and just sort of hitting that bottomless place, right, that I experienced even more loss. And when that happens, when you reach that pivotal point in your life of loss, you just kind of say, uh-uh, not doing it ever again. I'm not going to give, right, because of that fear of losing again. But but that gets in the way of legacy, right? That gets in the way of what God wants to do. But 
if we will renew our minds on the new covenant, we can find this truth that God wants us to serve him in a new way that is led by the spirit, not under the pressure of guilt or the pressure of needing to please others, but through the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And when that happens, we find the abundant joy and thrill that happens when we give as God has intended. Okay, let's go ahead and open up your Bibles to your nourished scripture. I'm starting in Ruth chapter 3, verse uh, 18. Now, uh, we our nourished scripture started in 16, and we see that Ruth came home, and she showed Naomi her harvest. She, she told Naomi everything that happened, and then Naomi says, just be patient, my daughter, until we hear what happens. The man won't rest until he has settled things today. And that word settled, when you look up the Hebrew word for that, it means finished. And when our Lord and Savior, our Boaz, our kinsman redeemer, Jesus Christ, when he hung on the cross, he said, it is finished And there are many things that the Lord legally settled for us on the cross and gave us the new covenant to partake in. But I wonder how many of us are partaking in the fullness of our spiritual inheritance. And how many of us are suffering needlessly under the pressure and the shame that the enemy wants to bring inside of our life. And how many of us are pulling back from full throttle going forward into our purpose where God wants to take our loss and bring legacy? Because even though the matter has been settled, we're living as though it isn't. In chapter 4, verse 1, it says that Boaz went to the town gate and he took a seat there. And he was sitting at the town seat because this is where business transactions would happen. uh, Legality, town council type meetings would happen. And so legally, Boaz needed to settle uh, the matter. And so so it goes that the, the nearest kinsman redeemer came and Boaz presented the the situation to him and at first he said he would redeem and then he when he found out that Ruth was a part of the package he quickly backed away and he said then I can't redeem it the family redeemer replied because this might endanger my own estate you redeem the land I cannot. Um, And then in verse 7, it talked about the fact that as custom, that this nearest family redeemer took off his shoe and he, his sandal, and he gave it to Boaz. And it was a picture of the transformation of power. And one of my definitions that I read about redemption talked about how it is the transfer of power from one to another. And you and I have been transferred from the old covenant to the new covenant. And sometimes I think that uh, that we're confused about what 
that means for us, what the legality of that to be transferred over uh, from the power of the law to the promptings of the Holy Spirit and how that works out practically inside our everyday life. But friends, if we take time to pause and then we're going to do this today and just to remember what has been legally settled, then you and I can stand with the assurance that Naomi had and speak about our future, that it will be settled, right? Your purpose will be settled. Your future will be settled. Your redemption will be settled. God will take my loss and he will turn it into a legacy. And then in verse nine, Boaz says to the elders and the crowd standing around, you are my witnesses today, right? Because back then, uh, that was how the laws were affirmed or contract was signed that instead of having a signature uh, necessarily that there would be witnesses uh, to that truth. And today, today you and I, the Bible tells us that we are to witness to God, that we are to be his witnesses of not what Boaz has done, but what Jesus, our kinsman redeemer has done. And one of the most beautiful ways that we can do that is by generously giving to others out of what God has given to us. And then it goes on to say this in verse 11, the elders and all the people at the gate replied, we are your witnesses. May the Lord make this woman who is coming back into your home like Rachel and Leah from whom all the nation of Israel descended. May you prosper and be famous in Bethlehem and may the Lord give you descendants by this young woman who will be like those of our ancestor Perez, the son of Tamar and Judah. And we know um, that Tamar Tamar, what was also a foreigner like Ruth. And so inside of this passage, the elders that are responding that they are their witnesses, right? But then they're saying, may God bring legacy and see the greatest witness to others is not, you know, telling them where they're right or wrong, but telling them your story and witnessing to what the Lord Jesus Christ has done in your life and all that he's given to you and the legacy that he's, he's brought to you and that is shared with others. You see, when you and I have a new covenant mindset about giving, there's no more fear. And we give to others out of the overflow that God has given to us and this reaps an eternal harvest. It is spirit-filled prompting that we walk through that creates a pathway for our purpose that leads others, that witnesses to what the Lord Jesus has done inside of our lives. And it brings glory to God. And all of a sudden, we look at our loss differently because we see it as a paveway for bringing legacy. But in order for the pain to turn into purpose, you and I must partner. We must be ready to give through the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And if we still have that old covenant mindset that gives out of guilt or reluctance or fear, it won't result in anything. 
But if we sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to him and follow him one day at a time, one step at a time, our loss will be a thing of the past and legacy and new life will be on its way. There are so many matters that Jesus settled at the cross and that's what I want to talk to you about today. And um, I want to use this time as, as a time of, of celebration about the new covenant. And part of why I want to do that is because inside of the celebration of the new covenant, when you are looking at the Jewish festivals, the one that celebrates the giving of the Holy Spirit is the Feast of Weeks. Now, the Feast of Weeks, or also called Shavuot, happened seven weeks after the first fruits. So we talked about uh, this a couple of weeks ago. So after the Feast of the First Fruits and Passover, there were seven weeks. And then the day after the Sabbath, where this would be celebrated. And it came at the ending of the barley season and the beginning of the wheat season. And after Jesus was resurrected, right, that was sort of the, the, it coincided with the Feast of Weeks. Fifty days later, there was Pentecost. And that was the celebration of the giving of the Holy Spirit and the commissioning of the church. Fifty days after the Israelites left Egypt and God freed them, 50 days later, they received the law. And so this is a new celebration of a new covenant that just like the law that gave us God's truth and instruction, the Holy Spirit does the same thing. But unlike the law, the Holy Spirit also empowers us to do God's truth and instruction. It reaps an eternal harvest. We see in Acts chapter 2 that there were 3,000 saved. And not only were there 3,000 saved, but the church came together and began to operate in just extreme generosity, right? And sometimes I think, when we are talking about the Holy Spirit, we talk a lot about the gifts of the Spirit or, you know, this miraculous move of God. But the greatest miracle is the miracle of love in the body of Christ, right? And the church came together and, and they gave to one another. And inside of this passage, we see that love and that giving and not the giving under pressure, right? Not the giving of obligatory from the law, I've got to give this, but the giving out of loyalty and love. In fact, inside uh, of Shavuot, the book of Ruth is actually read. There's lots of reasons why the book of Ruth is read, but the one that I want you to hear today is that Ruth followed God the Israelite nation became a part of accepting their way of life. She did that out of loyalty and love. And that is how we leave a legacy. 
It's not giving out of pressure or guilt, but it's giving out of love. And the only way that this happens is when we can receive it first by celebrating and renewing our minds to what Jesus has already settled. And then from that, we witness to Jesus and our loss in turn becomes a legacy. And let's celebrate. Let's celebrate everything that the new covenant means. And the first thing that I want you to see about the new covenant is that it gave us a new motive for serving God because obligation was taken off the table and love and choice and freedom came in. Now, in the Bible, we see that when the Israelites served God, that it was out of obligation, right? It, it was out of fear. In fact, Hebrews 12 talks about it this way. When, when the Israelites received uh, the law, it says this, 1218, you've not come to a physical mountain, to a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, and whirlwind as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai, for they heard an awesome trumpet blast and a voice so terrible they begged God to stop speaking. They staggered back under God's command. Even if an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. Moses himself was so frightened at the sight that he said, I'm terrified and trembling. It was out of fear. You see, when the law came, they couldn't even approach God. But now, just like Ruth, we can follow God because we love him. We give to others, not because we're under this pressure or we're trying to get anything from God. We give to others under the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 12, says it this way. Now you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in joyful gathering. You have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself who is judge over all things. You have come to the spirits of the righteous one in heaven who have now been made perfect. You have come to Jesus the one who mediates the new covenant between God and the people and the sprinkling of blood, which speaks of forgiveness instead of the crying out of vengeance of the blood of Abel. We choose to follow God now out of love and gratitude. And it's important for us to remember those two covenants. In fact, Hebrews 12, um, 18 through 24 is a great passage to read for that because then with gratitude we can remember all that we've been given right that there's no more obligation just like Boaz was not under obligation to redeem Ruth he did it for choice Ruth followed decided to become a part except the, the, the Israelites' ways of doing, she did it out of love and loyalty. And that is a big reason why I believe that this book uh, is, is read on Shavuot. And then we also see that not only now is there a new motive, I don't have to anymore, right? It's when God prompts my heart and it's because I want to, but there's now a new leader in our life. 
We, there's now, if you will, a new marriage in our life. Now, inside of our passage, it said that the nearest family redeemer, it said that he was unable to redeem. And God sent the law to us through Moses to show us that it was unable to redeem us. But now he sends Jesus who redeemed it for us, just like Boaz came and was the new redeemer. Romans chapter seven, starting in verse one, gives this analogy of a woman who is married and then widowed and then remarries again. And it says that she's now married to a new man. And so it is with the old and new covenant that you and I have been released from the law that we can be bound to the Holy Spirit where the Spirit of the Lord is. There is liberty. And see, the law could not redeem us because the law, not only did it bring this pressure of obligation, but it also required our efforts to be obedient to that. And the Bible says that the law actually aroused sinful desires within us. But now we've been released from the law. And here's what Romans says. But now we have been released from the law, no longer married to that. For we died to it and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the spirit. Now listen, it doesn't say, right, that the law is bad. In fact, the Bible says the law is holy, but it's what is leading us. And I want to ask you a question. Are you finding yourself trying to figure out life by trying to study the Bible so carefully that you're just it just becomes a list of rules to you? And God says it's not going to work that way. You serve in the Spirit. And to me, that means coming to the word and asking God to speak to me. And whenever I hear God prompt me to do something, to do it, to put my faith into action. So it's not only a new motive, but a new marriage, a new leader in our life, a new mediator, right, of, of the new covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's a new method. And now our change that happens in our life is not from my efforts, right, to produce a new behavior. Um, and when we operate that way, it yields frustration. It yields a, ceiling, a, a sense of shame because we're not measuring up. And then, bless God, we start pretending, right? Because we're so focused on that outward compliance, we start maybe pretending inside of our Christian circles, whereas the Bible tells us that in the new covenant, not only am I going to be your new leader and point you in the direction, but I'm going to empower you to walk in that direction. It's a change of heart produced by God's Spirit. Romans 2.29 says it this way. No, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God, and true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it is a change of heart produced by God's Spirit, and a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God and not from people. See, it's, it's a change. 
and the change, we're serving God and we live to please Him. We can get worn out and weary, right, by that outward compliance and, and frustrated. And I want to ask you, what method are you using? The matter's been settled. And we'll continue to live in frustration, but God wants to move us forward. And part of the method for him moving us forward is to let him be our leader, right? And when he leads us to take a step, you and I can have confidence, like confidence Naomi did, that the matter is settled, is that not only did God give me this step to take, he will give me the ability to take it. The next thing that we get is we get a new mindset. The Bible says that before we were indwelled by the Holy Spirit, that our spirits were far from God, that, that the Spirit wasn't in there. And so our minds were governed by our flesh. That's all that we had to go on. Now, your flesh is your mind, your will, and your emotions, and that's all been tainted by the loss in our life and the, the way that we've grown up and all those sorts of things. But now that you and I are in Christ, we have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will speak to us during the day. And He can govern our mind. And the gift of that governance, and this doesn't mean that you will never have a negative or wrong thought. It means we have access, right, to the mind of Christ and to the ability to renew our minds to the Spirit. The Bible says it this way in Romans chapter 8, verse 6. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Life and peace with the Lord, with our new mindset. And then we have a new permanent provision. And the beautiful thing about Boaz is that Boaz was Naomi's permanent provision. And inside of the new covenant, we have a covenant that can never be taken from us because it is kept by Jesus. And that means that there's a permanent source for my identity and it's not my actions or what other people say to me or whether or not uh, the things in my circumstances are up and down. It's in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it means that there's a permanent source for a provider in my life, that God is going to take care of me, that my needs will be met in Him. And because of this, I can walk out my legacy one day at a time, one step at a time. I want to ask you a question. Is there something in your world that's been shaken up? And maybe loss is knocking at your door and God is saying to you, you're getting ready to enter into one of the most beautiful times in your life because you're going to understand in greater measure the gift and the security that can come from that permanent provision. Whenever you and I pause and remember the things that Jesus has legally settled for us on the cross, there's a confidence that comes from that to see our lives as a place of giving 
and how the Lord will take our loss and turn it into legacy. But be so careful that you don't allow the enemy to sneak in a little lie right before God is getting ready to flip that loss into legacy. I want to close today uh, with our harvest principle. You know, uh, part of the healing journey uh, does involve us giving. And if you don't hear me teach anything today, understand that there is a season for grieving. We see Naomi very confident inside of this chapter, but we also remember that there was a time where she was grieving and that grieving is natural and normal. We've talked about this, that sometimes there must be a season of sadness while we say goodbye. And as necessary as it is that there will be a season of grieving, there will be a season of giving. But when we understand that it is those times that we give that are prompted by the Holy Spirit, those are the ones that reap that eternal harvest. And it is in that that it creates the pathway between our loss and our legacy. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. Did you hear that? Their good deeds will be remembered forever because you belong to Jesus. You have a great capacity to give and to love. And there is a time of grieving, but when the Holy Spirit prompts you that it's time for giving, see that as an ending, a completion to the healing that God wants to bring through you. Mm -hmm.